Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, you asked for it. You begged for it. You have to have it. You can't live without it. The Bucks have brought back the creamsicle uniforms. It's finally going to happen. It's going to happen this year against the Detroit Lions on October 15th. Get your tickets now. Operators are standing by, and they do have tickets, by the way, both season and single game. This has been long anticipated, and we talk probably way too much about uniforms in this town. Um, I'm not sure why. I, I still think the greatest sort of remake was what the Tampa Bay Rays did, uh, even though they now wear their you know throwback uniforms on Friday nights at home, which is fine. Um, but for whatever reason... And I mean, not not just locally, but probably more even so nationally, people have been clamoring and sort of fallen in love with the Bucks' old creamsicle or orange and white uniforms with the red trim. And for the life of me, having grown up here and re- remembering that you know the original uniform back when they got the franchise uh, as an expansion team in '76. Those are the uniforms they wore when they lost 26 straight. And believe me when I tell you, nobody liked them. Um, nobody wore them because, you know, you associated those colors with a loser. Uh, and then they got really good. And their third year, they went to the NFC Championship game and lost 9 to nothing to the Rams, who went to the Super Bowl. And they had a couple good years, but let's be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of success. Not a whole lot of success until really Malcolm Glazer got here. And that, after one season, they went to the you know the, the pewter and red, which I thought was a was a nice redesign. Turns out that people have been clamoring for this for so long they they didn't understand why they didn't do it last year. Now they had, they had done it. They haven't worn these uniforms since 2012. And then the NFL had enacted a rule where you you had to have one helmet for the whole season. And of course, the Bucks throwback helmets are white, not pewter. So that created a bit of a problem. You're not just changing the logos. Um, but now, for whatever reason, everybody is able to have these throwbacks. And it took the Bucks a little a year or so to get it up, not just for their outfit, their team, but for the merchandise in general. So long story short, I mean, they're playing the Lions, which is an old NFC Central team. Um, but I'm here to tell you, other than the nostalgia of it, Bucko Bruce, the stiletto chewing pirate that looks a lot like handsome like Tom Brady, didn't instill fear in anybody. Neither did the pastel colors. Um and they threw this uniform off the SS Bounty in St. Petersburg in the harbor when they were getting ready to announce the new uniforms. Like I remember I was there, they made them walk the plank. They literally threw this flag and everything into the in the into the uh into the bay. But he's back now, and we're going to see him in October, which is cool, I guess. Well, the, you know, we know that the time, as time passes, your memories change, and your <laughs> yeah, fondness apparently. for things. And 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 how many people in Tampa Bay that are Bucks fans now weren't here when they wore those uniforms? 
Well, most are dead. Well, but, but I'm, say, I'm saying <laughs> how many know. people are new to this market because oh, yeah, it's grown substantially. Sure, every day. And so yeah. it was cool because that's when they were a kid, that's what they saw Tampa Bay wear. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I, and so I, they're, they're, they're fond of it. But also those type of colors, those pastel, I mean, you know, we're seeing it with the Devil Rays uniforms now that the, the Rays for their 25th anniversary are wearing on Friday nights, as you mentioned. Yeah. You're seeing, you know, you look at the Rays, you see Siri and Wander Franco and Yandi. They all have the pink and the bright yellow oh, yeah, and green man. and shoes accessories and accessories are large, and all yeah. that. I mean, that's those colors are kind of coming back in vogue now. Yep, yep. And so, you know, but, you know, for fans that want, that have seen other teams do throwbacks for years now, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that it's been 11 seasons. Yeah, it's a long time. I didn't realize it had been that long either. Um, but that's sort of where we're at. I, I think it I think it just it's like you say, it's nostalgia. Um and mm-hmm. frankly, when you're talking about fashion anyway, what happens in life, right? Right now we're in the ninety fashions, which I never really liked particularly. But we've got the high waisted mom and dad jeans, we've got um, you know, cargo shorts are back again with the pockets everywhere. I hated that. Uh, I kind of thought they looked sloppy. You know, we've gone through all these iterations. You know, I saw, what did I see? Terry cloth shorts the other day or something like that in, in, in one of the stores. Like, what what was out is in. It's just a matter of time. There are no good There are no new ideas. They just recycle them. That's it. And generations say, oh, that's fresh. And no, it's really not. It's back from the 60s or the 70s. And so it's, so is th- this with, uh, with the Bucks uniforms, I think, is that, you know, um, they they're just nostalgic, and and of course, you know, the greatest players in Bucks history, to be honest with you, have played in those uniforms. I mean, maybe not long, but they played there. I mean, Derek Brooks, '95, Warren Warren Sapp, John Lynch, Ronnie Barber, all the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, going back to Leroy Selman, Selman Hardy Hall Nickens, of Nickerson, Hardy Nickerson. Yeah, there's great players that played in these uniforms. James um, Wilder. And some, yeah, some that weren't so great, like Josh Freeman, <laughs> you know. Um, here's one, and I asked you this before the podcast, and it's, it's somewhat obvious, but I didn't realize this. I, I could only come up with one player on the current team that ever wore the creamsicles, and I didn't remember him wearing them. And that's that's Levante David, of course, the longest uh, tenured buck, I think, this side of Will Golston, who's not on the team currently. Um, but, yeah, Levante, his rookie year, I think uh, would have worn these. At least he was on the roster that I looked at. So the last year that they wore them was 2012. Uh, and that would have been like for one game, you know, that would have been like a throwback situation. Um, but he was, he was on the team. So, uh, but yeah, they're coming back and you know, they're, they're excited about it. The one thing I'll say that the, the cool thing about this is that um, whatever you think of the uniforms and, and everybody seems to like them, the cool thing is, is it's the event around it, right? Like mm-hmm. they do they, the game day presentation is a time tunnel. You know, the, they had when they used to do this, they'd have the cheerleaders with the giant pom poms that they don't use anymore, the long skirts. Uh, they had, um, you know, all all through every break, they play seventies music. You know, seventies, early eighties, like we're talking Sister Sledge and. KC and the Sunshine Band and stuff like that, uh, which is awesome. And uh, they just do, they just really have a lot of fun with it. You know, it's just, it's a retro type feel um, for the whole. And, and then they're going to do the field when they do the uh, Raymond James. 
they're going to do the original font and signage and stuff on on uh, on the field to uh, going back, you know, to the seventies, um, which is cool. And then the ribbon boards and all, all those things will be will be retro, you know. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm fired up about it. I thought it's always been one of my favorite games when they would do it once a year. I think the players are going to absolutely love it. I mean, players love love uniforms and stuff like that anyway, mm-hmm. but they really love dressing in retro stuff. So they're going to think it's great. Just too bad I'm we sad, never saw. No, too bad we never saw Tom Brady in it. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. Three seasons here. Of course, Brady's timing was horrible anyway, right? He came here and won a Super Bowl during. Of course, it was COVID. Of course, nobody got to say. Of course, when would that happen to any team except Tampa? So he came here and won a Super Bowl. He's here three seasons, and they couldn't get number 12 in Creamsicle. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine how many jerseys, number 12 Brady Creamsicle jerseys may have flown off the shelves? It's incalculable. I, I can't even – I mean, I, I'm wondering if they would just make them. You know what I mean? Like just to – hey, I know he didn't wear these, but since we got Creamsicle, let's just go ahead and carve out a Brady uniform. You bring Brady to town that game – to honor him, much like the Patriots are bringing him in for week one. Ooh, I you like bring him in, that thinking. way you can sell his jerseys. I like the way you're thinking. That's that's a great idea. You know? Yeah. And he's a, ret- he's a retro guy to boot. Now, you know, that's assuming he's not playing for any other team but the Lions that night. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, he could be on the field, maybe not for Or that you. day. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing, you know, the thing about the Lions, of course, longtime NFC North uh, or NFC uh, Central opponent before there was the NFC North. Isn't that the NFC um, Norris division? Yeah. Yeah, Battle of the Pigs. Oh, no, it was uh, Bay of Pigs. What am I thinking? Yeah. Bay of Pigs. Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, NF- NFC Norris. And so the Lions, when I remember them covering them uh, in the old NFC North, it was Barry Sanders. And he was doing Cadillac commercials, weaving through these orange jerseys, even with John Lynch and Derek Brooks. They were making actual commercials about him just getting off on them. Um, He had one game that I remember where uh, he had – he probably carried the ball 22 times, okay? And for 20 of those carries, he averaged – and I'm not exaggerating – two yards a carry. He had 40 yards in 20 carries. And yet – he finished with 200 yards. Like, how's that possible? Because he had two 80-yard runs. <laughs> <laughs> and the funniest thing was, like, two 80-yard runs. They made Cadillac commercials, like I said. And so it was at, it was at uh, the old sombrero, uh, or the big sombrero, whatever, old, big. And a guy, I'll read you the letter here in a minute. But um, so we go, we go downstairs after the game, and it was a close game until Barry broke his second 80-yard run. And Monty Kiffin, who was just great and still is, um, was a defensive coordinator. And, you know, back in the day, they'd actually let you talk to a defensive coordinator after what? the game. Yeah, I know. Go figure. Um, but we'd get Monty, and Monty, and it was true what he was saying, but it was also hilarious at the same time. He'd just be all wild around. I tell you, he stopped him. He's Barry Sanders. He's, he's 20 times, he took two carries a year, and he stopped him. He's getting two zero carries. He goes, yeah, I know he can't do this. You take away those two eighty-yard runs, and I mean, we stopped him all day. We stopped him. It's like Monty, that's one hundred sixty yards, man. <laughs> like you can't take away the two eighty-yard runs. 
I knew what he was saying. Was like, ah, geez, we stuffed it. He had twenty carries, two yards of carry. Yeah, and he got two hundred. <laughs> it's just that's the math, you know. That's how it works. But um, so yeah, it, I I look forward to it. I mean, I'm not. I think it's revisionist history because I remember how people, you know, just used to rail on them. Here's an interesting well, story. The same with the Devil Rays. I mean, they're you know, no. the Rays are wearing and those. They're cool and, now and they, again. They were awful. Yeah, how are the they cool Rays. again? How I mean, they, they became cool because you're the best team in baseball. Well, that too, but I mean, but it's been. I mean, those uniforms and, and the Devil Ray stuff—they've kind of gone back to the last few years. Retro, I agree, they've been good, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, everything you know—that's kind of the way it goes. You know, like you said, it's it's not revisionist history, but you're you know the pain of those years goes gets a little softer over time. Yeah, I suppose I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about the orange. Um, this is this is a uh, kind of a good story too. I don't know if I told it before, but it doesn't matter because you know you got to listen every day. Um, so the orange that they wore, like the original, and this will be something to, to determine once we see them. But the OG orange uh, was kind of a very faded, kind of a light, almost a Tennessee orange. To be honest with you, it was very light, um, and so. When they got around, certainly by the time they got to the early 90s, they darkened it ever so much, right? Uh, and so they were a little bit darker. Um, and that's the ones that, you know, Lawrence Dossie and people like that were. Uh, so Sam Weich was a head coach, as he was for, what, like three, three or four years here. And he was the coach before Tony Dungy. He coached in, all the way to 95. And, in fact, it was in the 95 season, and he was about to get fired. That's when, you know, the, the famous 5-2, he started out 5-2, and two, and he was kind of, like, gloating a bit. <laughs> he was like, write it down, baby, 5-2. Well, they wound up 6-10 <laughs> or something like that. It was bad. Um, but they were playing the Green Bay Packers on a Sunday night uh, before Christmas, and uh, this like, led to a rant of his after the game. But before that, it turns out, um, and he was he was circling the drain. Sam was going to get fired. Not like Sam, but he was going to get fired. Uh, and and the, they were underdogs to the Packers on a Sunday night. And so the players go into the locker room. And, you know, at this point, they had kind of done some iterations of the uniform, including they were still in the, in the, in the uh, creamsicles. But what they had done is they had added creamsicle pants to go with the white jersey tops, you know, because they never had that. They were always white white bottoms, no matter what tops they were. So they had added the, uh, the and they, again, they were darker, but they, you know, they were orange, orange pants to go with the white tops. So before this Sunday night came, they come into the locker room and all the uniforms were laid out and they got orange pants and orange shirts. <laughs> and, and they really didn't match completely because they had, done so much with the color but so as the story goes paul gruber uh took him down off his locker walked into white's office at the old sombrero before the game in the locker room put him on the table and said we're not wearing these and sam was like what he goes yeah we're not wearing these this is this is garish this is i'm not going out in these and so (laughs) sam didn't know what to do so he's like well, all right, well, wear whatever you want. I don't give a damn. Like, you know, he'd lost the team at that point. 
So they, they replaced them with the white pants. And then when you know, they went out and they beat the Packers. I mean, upset them. It was ridiculous. Delphers or whoever it was was throwing touchdown passes. Um, but that was the only time, if you like orange, they were actually going to wear orange and orange. They, it's something they never had ever worn and never will, as far as I know. Um, it used to be a color it rush. It was, it was a color. It was the original. Mm-hmm. Co- that's a great point. It was would have been the original color rush. Yeah. And that would have been some color rush, let me tell you. Maybe they'll bring it back for a color rush. Maybe this might be what they wear. I think we're on this stuff here, man. But you got to know the history to appreciate the the, the present. So um, there's a uh, here's another guy that I forgot that wore the orange cream sickles. Mike Clayton. He's pictured here catching a pass from Josh Freeman in 09. Yes. Throwback. The first game I I do remember this. The first game that Josh Freeman started uh, as a rookie. It was well into the season. He wore a creamsicle, and that was not their usual jersey. Um, and I believe uh, they had a throwback game, and they beat Green Bay again. They beat Green Bay at home, and he threw a touchdown pass to Courtney Hawkins. Remember that name? Mm-hmm. I think out of Michigan State is where he played. Sounds uh, right. And, uh, yeah, he played, and, and Freeman was great that day. It was, I believe it was his, his uh, starting debut and uh, and beat the Packers, so. A lot of a lot of orange history, but it uh, used to have you know uh, the fans would all wear orange T-shirts, and you know they'd fill the stadium with orange, and and I'm sure they'll do all that stuff for this throwback game. But players are going to be fired up about it. Fans will be really fired up about it, and uh, you know Detroit hopefully won't have Barry Sanders running through another Cadillac commercial. Man, <laughs> I don't know who's going to be. The Lions have a nice uniform too. There, there's theirs are great. What's it called Hawaii blue and silver or whatever pretty cool so those are our those are your uh color rush uniform uh, announcement of the day for all you uniform fans all right we got some uh bucks news for you well not news i guess we'll give you a preview of what the mandatory minicamp will be starting today for the next three days as they wrap up the off season but first i want to tell you guys how to save money on an electric bill you know what you love it you can't do without it it's may electric solar they're a family-owned business they've been operating and installing Sort of electric systems in the area now for 13 years. There's a lot of these fly-by-night companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, plus with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. It's what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. They will customize everything to your particular needs. And they don't use subcontractors. That's important because you know all those guys and girls up there on the roof uh, installing those solar panels. They belong to Billy May, and they're doing a nice job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862, or you can visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, so uh, the end of the offseason sort of will be over these next three days. The Bucks have mandatory minicamp that begins early this morning at around, I think, 930 or so, Eastern uh, Daylight Time, and... There's not a whole heck of a lot difference in what they've done for their their 10 organized team activity workouts, and you can only have 10. You know, it's interesting. A lot of teams these days, 
have actually cut back even the OTAs, you know, uh, from 10 to, to six or seven and then moved up the mandatory mini camp. Uh, many teams are already kind of through, um, the off season program. And they do that primarily because they, 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 they've come off a longer season, uh, or they anticipate having a long, and the season's already 17 weeks as it is. Then if you're a playoff team, you know, kind of like when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, they didn't feel like there was an off season. So they've been giving their bodies back to them and not working them as hard in the off season. Um, and you know, for the Bucks, they use all ten because they're installing a new offense and all of that. So they'll be out there for three days, and every player has to come, or or you get fined. And it's a significant number of fines. It, it escalates each day, one through three. So I, you know, Todd Bowles and everybody expects everybody to be there because it is in fact mandatory. Now that doesn't mean you're there that everybody's going to be working. If you have an injury. If you don't feel well, whatever it is, they're not going to put you out there on the field. It is still shorts and and uh, you know and helmets and things like that. There's no no shoulder pads, no hitting, presumably none of that stuff. Um, so it's very much like any off season workout. But the veterans are there, and all of the veterans are there. And the question is whether who will be working. And so there's there's several things we'll be looking at. You know, sort of in particular, and I wrote about this on Tampa Times com, but if you don't have a chance to see it, we'll kind of go over it now a little bit. I think the first thing that all of us, anyone with a camera or a notepad or a phone, is going to be looking for is where is Devin White, okay? Does he indeed show up first and foremost? They expect him there. Again, it's mandatory. He's not going to be looking to be fined $100,000, so we do expect to see Get Live 45 come out at some point onto the grass. Um, we know that he's asked to be traded. Uh, and that kind of was an apparent reaction to some negotiations on a long-term deal breaking down. And the club wants him to play under the fifth-year option, $11.7 million. It's a big raise, but, you know, he's believed to be seeking kind of a, you know, kind of a bigger raise. Uh, he'd like the, the full extension, five years, $100 million, that like Roquan Smith got after he was traded to the Ravens. He didn't get it till January, but... Nonetheless, that's sort of where he's at. And we know, you know, Larry Foote has come out and called it champagne problems and kind of made light of things. So we expect him to be there. The team expects him to be there. But here's a little window to his mindset. We talked about this the other night is that not only did he, you know, is he coming maybe to the mandatory minicamp, but he went to the not mandatory photo shoot on Sunday. And he did a lot of promotional stuff and whatever the Bucks wanted for their game day stuff, all of that. And you know, to be around your teammates, be in, in full uniform, it, it at least is is saying something, right? Maybe, maybe it means that things are thawing out a bit. Or maybe he realizes that he doesn't have as much leverage and he might wind up at least playing the first part of the year there. Um, and he wants, you know, doesn't want to hurt his brand. You want to, you want to be on those ads. You want to be on the scoreboard and all those things. So he might just be covering the business side of, uh, aspect. The fact of the matter is we don't know because we haven't heard from Devin. And we don't know what, what if anything, he's going to do when he does show up today, and we do expect him. Um, will he talk about whether he's changed his mind about his trade demands or if they still exist? I think we should get an indication of where his head's at. Now, he might not even practice. You know, this might be one of those things where he, you know, I'm not completely in shape or, you know, my ankle bothers me or something else. And if I were Devin or I was advising Devin and I still think I have a a chance in hell of being traded. I don't want to go out there and get hurt. Um, but uh, 
on the other hand, if he does go out there and gives it a good effort and plays and plays hard uh, and, you know, does all the things all the other veterans are doing, you might think, okay, this is this is over. You know, this is kind of they reached sort of an agreement to disagree, and he looks like he's going forward with the Bucks, and, you know, everything could be okay. But we won't know any of that until we see him later today. Uh, and, again, I – I would be not, it would be nice. It would, I think it'd be advised if he talked and addressed it and did it once and just said, here's where I'm at. Good or bad. You know, whether you, whether you want to be traded still or, you know, whatever, make your points, stand up there, face the music and, and be done with it. My, my belief is, and my fear is, is that that won't happen, that he will just kind of stew out there and then the bucks won't make him address the media or anything else. Um, and so they'll sort of hide him a little bit, but, um, that's unfortunate because it would be good just to get that behind him. Um, that would be my advice. If, if I were advising him, you know, say what you're going to say uh, and stick by it and just say, you know, I'm addressing it one time, move on. We'll see what happens. But I'm not very optimistic that'll be the case. There's other things to watch, though, besides Devin White. And I think we've talked a lot about the offensive line. Um, look, they have nowhere to go but up. I mean, again, this was a team that was last in yards, last in rushing attempts, last in average. So we know they're going to run the ball with Dave Canales. Um, and they're moving people around, you know, quite frankly. Tristan Wirfs now from right to left tackle. Luke Gettigge's going to, from, you know, from right to, uh, you know, left guard to right tackle. Um, they seem to have sort of settled on uh, Matt Filer at, at guard, at left guard, he's the guy they got from the Chargers, a veteran, and that sort of leaves a free for all at the right guard spot. Now that's a, that's assuming, and we don't know this either. This is something else we'll be looking for, and looking for it starting today. Where's Ryan Jensen? Now Ryan Jensen was at OTAs a week ago, but he wasn't doing anything. He's standing there with a knee brace, whatever. Is he going to be cleared to practice this minute mandatory minicamp? When we did see him play in the wild card game, and if not, does that mean anything? Right. But assuming Ryan Jensen's back at some point by the start of the regular season, you could have a free-for-all at the other guard spot because you've got Cody Malk, you've got Hainsey, Robert Hainsey who played center last year, you got Nick Leverett, and, and uh, Stinney is back. Um, so all those guys, it could be a battle royale at that guard spot. So it's going to be t- tough to really evaluate any of them because they're not in pads. You can't, you know, all that stuff with the linemen really can't be done. Um but it's still something to see, like, how are they lining up? Like, who's the first group, right? And I think they've just shuffled the deck with maybe Filer. But who, who's going to be the guy taking the first reps at right guard? You know, is it Cody Malk? I mean, you know, all that's going to be fun to watch. So we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, another important position is nickel corner. We know they move Anton Winfield Jr. back. Um, you know, they've, they've got some guys that will play down in the box at strong safety. Obviously, um, you know, they lost Sean Murphy Bunning to the Chiefs. He he played a little nickel corner as well. Ryan Neal's going to be that strong safety when, um, you know, Winfield goes back and plays a little more center field. So he'll be down in there. But I think I think the guy to watch, or I'll be watching, is Zion McCallum. Um, Second-year defensive back, really athletic guy, really fast. But he could win this job. This could be what they want him to do uh, is to play down, you know, in the nickel corner spot. Got lots of speed, can cover well. Going to have to be a more sure tackler, I think, down there. But he'll have competition. And one of those guys is Josh Hayes, the rookie um, that they got this year that they drafted. And Geno Hayes' nephew, I I think he'll be somebody that will be in the mix as well. So 
important spot in Todd Bowles' defense. No question. We'll be watching that. I'll be watching Rashad White very closely to wrap it up. Um, I think this guy who hasn't met a mic he wouldn't talk into um, is, you know, everybody thinks he's poised for a really big year, and he's RB1, and Leonard Fournette, who told me later he wanted it to be cut, well, he was cut, and he now doesn't have a job, um, but White does, and no one has said he's not the starter. Um, I know they don't want to hand the job to a quarterback, but it seems like they've handed it to Rashad, at least at the running back position. And, you know, he had a good, I thought he had a good, but not great rookie season. I mean, when, you, when you're sitting here and you only had one 100-yard rushing game, and that was against Seattle and Germany, it was impressive. Um, but you didn't really follow it up with anything. And again, maybe that's the offensive line, maybe that's scheme. Um, but unlike the quarterback spot, he really didn't have any, any competition. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn's on this team, hadn't done anything at the running back spot really for three seasons. Um, they signed Chase Edmonds, who's a veteran, but he's more of a third down type back, t- kind of taking over from Giovanni Bernard, who retired. So if you think of Dave Canales' offense and how much they're going to run the ball, that makes that makes White maybe the most valuable player on offense, you know, this side of the quarterback for sure. And he's going to have to do it all. He's going to have to pass protect. He's going to have to, you know, catch passes. Um, I still think there's room for another running back. But Rashad will be uh, somebody I will be watching very closely. Again, against a veteran defense, all the veterans are there. The varsity is there. How does he do against if Devin White covers or Levante David covers him out of the backfield? Like, how's he going to do? And we haven't seen him. He's been all the OTAs, but we haven't seen him with the first group. And these guys are all back. So it'll be good on good. It'll be uh, fun to see how they alternate at quarterback, all those things. But uh, really, at the end of three days, that's a wrap. And, you know, when they come back in late June, early July, uh, well, I'm sorry, early, what did I say? Early July, it'll be late July, uh, probably around 27th, 28th before they go to train camp. Um, then, then you're preparing for the Minnesota Vikings week one. I mean, that's what it's about from then on. It's no longer, you know, the tryouts are, are still there. They still have a 90 man roster and they'll have to make some cuts. But at the end of the day, you're getting ready to win. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think players in this three day mini camp, and particularly quarterbacks. You know, if you're Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, I think Canales is going to split reps all the way through preseason. But if you have a hot week, like if you go out there and you're just on it, right? You know your assignments. You're accurate with the football. You get it out of your hands. You're just you get on fire. You could convince, if not the coaches, your teammates that you're the guy. You know, and so you at least enter training camp as, oh yeah. No, this dude was balling, you know, in the offseason. Like, he gets it now. He's got everything down. Now we can move forward. I think he's going to win the job. But on the other hand, you know, you could play really poorly. Um, so I think it's important for the, both those guys to continue to try to play well. But, um, yeah, there's, just, there's, some, there's some things to watch. It's not, it's not going to change. No decisions are going to be made necessarily, but a lot of impressions will be. And this is the last look before they get to training camp, so it's important. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. All right, so uh, as, as we're doing this, the uh, Rays are playing out in Oakland um, as we're taping this, and uh, East, uh, they just had a three-run home run by Jose Suri, so they're trailing 4-3. to three. You'll know the score probably by the time you hear this podcast. Nonetheless, we were talking earlier about All-Stars, which is coming up not, not too far in the distant future, and how many the Rays may get, but more importantly, how many may start the game, right? How many mm-hmm. starters do they have? And Because that's a function, mostly the starters are a function of fan voting, and there's some real disparity based on position and players, but you know we talked about the guys we think should be all stars. Who's the closest to actually starting the game? So the Major League Baseball put out the first update of the first set of ballots for the All Star Game. Mm-hmm. No Rays are starting. None. Now <laughs> you possible? don't vote on pitching. Presumably, yeah, McClanahan would be the starter. Okay, but in the positions, still man, no Rays are starting. Christian Bethencourt seventh at catcher. Mm, okay. You know. Yandy Diaz, mm-hmm. second at first base. But here's the now thing. He's, he's only 12,000 votes behind Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now we're talking. Guerrero's that... got 545,000, almost 546. Yandy Diaz is over 533. And that restores my faith in yeah. voting. Yeah. So now, I mean, so Yandy Diaz is within 12,000. Anthony Rizzo's third. He's uh, over 200,000 back. Well, it's nice that he's taking Rizzo down. Mm-hmm. So he, he's neck and neck. Yeah. Brendan Lau is seventh at second base, about where you expect, if if not even lower. He's hurt, of course. He's on the IL. Uh, Third base, Isak Paredes in sixth. Mm, Um, You know, not well known, not an everyday player at third base at this point. Pretty pretty good, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think you're seeing there's a lot of Rays fans voting, or a lot of people voting for Rays, knowing how well for Rays players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shortstop. This one was shocking. This is the one I want to know because this is my yeah. MVP of the team. Well, Bo Bichette is leading a shortstop like we speculated. And in and, and all fairness, Bo Bichette's having a hell of a year. He and is. Local he's leading the league in, in hitting. Um, right. He's had a phenomenal season for the Blue Jays. No question mm-hmm. about it. And, and to yep. be honest, I believe Wander should be the starter over Bo Bichette, but both should be all-stars and both are deserve- – both could – either one could say he deserves to start. I mean – you can't really argue with Bo Bichette either. But the vote discrepancy is staggering. Bo Bichette has 775,000 votes. Second place with 376,000 votes. What? Is Corey Seager. Second is Corey Seager, and he's about 350,000 votes behind? 400,000 votes behind almost. Oh, good Lord. I never did math, but my yeah. goodness. And he's second, so that now, means Warner's third? Now, Seager's had a good year. Now, he missed about half the season so far. He's only played 34 games, having a whale of a season in 34 games. Yeah, he just games. had five, five knocks and a home run the and, other day. He's a good player, no question. Wander Franco is another 150,000 votes behind Corey Seager. Oh my gosh! He has five hundred fifty thousand votes behind Bo Bichette. Okay, that that disparity is what doesn't make sense. They're they're not they should not have that much of a difference. That's incredible. 
That's incredible. That's that's unfortunate for Wander. So I, now, does I mean, Wander would, will he even be an All Star at that point? Well, I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, he should be. I mean, the managers will select it at that point, but okay, I, I would imagine he will be an All Star. But over but his, his his shot at starting. Well, but they don't have to take the second place vote. Well, that's true. I mean, it, you know, at that point, it's it's play, and and you also Everything have to make sure there's up. there's one player from every team, et cetera. But they don't yeah. have to go by second place in voting. I mean, it's up to the managers okay. at that point. Okay. So I I believe he will be an all star. He's leading yeah. baseball in WAR, by the way. He's past Shohei Otani. Wander is yes. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So I believe he'll be an all star, but his chance of starting is basically done. So really, we're looking the best. The best. I mean, case Bichette's scenario. got three times the amount of votes than Wander does. The, the best chance of a starter looks to be Leandi Diaz. Well, at this point. Randy Rosarina is fourth in outfielders. Oh well, there you go. Aaron Judge is first; he's way up. Mike okay. Trout second at five hundred ninety-eight thousand. Jordan Alvarez is third at five hundred seventy-one thousand. Arazarena is fourth at five hundred thirty-two thousand. Oh, so right so he's, now he's he's, he's, he's forty thousand votes behind Jordan Alvarez for the third. Yeah, that's that's just an afternoon at the laptop, yeah. man. We can get that right. And old friend Kevin Kiermeyer is fifth. KK's had a hell of a start. Yeah. Now he's two hundred thousand votes behind Randy, so he's got no shot at starting. But yeah, yeah. And Josh Lowe is twelfth well, among outfielders. I think, I think that three guys should start. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like Wander will. Mm-hmm. But to me, it should be Diaz or Rosarina and Wander. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, McCl- and McClanahan, there should be four starters. Well, McClanahan will be the fourth one, and he he started the All Star game last year, and certainly his record is better than it was. He's the only guy. He's got ten wins, ten and one, and an ERA is ridiculous. So, yeah, I could see him going. And think about that: left hander going back to back starter of the All Star game. That's impressive. Yeah. And Harold Ramirez was fifth among DHs too. That's surprising. I mean, Shohei Otani is going to be the DH, and he's got the most votes of anybody in the American League position wise. So. Right. Um, he's, I mean, he'll run away with that one. But well, you know, it's unfortunate that Wander's not in a better spot. But I mean, everybody else, I don't, I don't know that I, you know. Well, I think you know, like the Pro Bowl in football and others. A lot of times, it comes the year after. Right. And yeah, you know, year after. Well, Wander was good, yeah. but he was hurt a lot last year, and you know, mm-hmm. this year so far he's been healthy. If he continues to have the year he's going to have, I think next year's a whole different story. Well, it also tells me something that Canada really votes for the one team they have <laughs> up there, man, because they got a lot of they got a lot of votes, a lot of votes. So get busy, Tampa Bay Ray fans. Where well, you get to go online and do this? Yeah, right? maybe, yeah. Uh, MLB app. I believe you can do it, or MLB dot com. Right. I think you can vote right. up to five times a day. So per email yeah. address. So you know, use your burners. Well, and if you're a Rays fan, they they still do home field advantage as the prize. No, for winning no, the no, All Star game, they got rid of that. They Is got that gone? That. Yep. Oh well, then you got nothing to play for. Yep. Sorry, <laughs> just go to the game and stay healthy. You know. Yep. I'd rather they just rest. If you're a Rays fan, what does it mean anyway? Well, speaking of rest, the Denver Nuggets can now get some rest after they uh, mm. won the NBA Finals in five games, beating the Heat. Uh, on home for the uh, first championship for the Nuggets in history. Stan Kroenke having on a heck of a run as an owner. He really is. He really is. Avalanche. 
the Nuggets, Rams. the Rams, and he, I think the Lacrosse League too. I think he won that it's one. Kind of like triple crown in one calendar yeah. year there. Yeah. Hmm. So in the uh, uh, game five for Vegas is tonight. They can eliminate the Panthers in the Stanley Cup final. So we could have champions in in both NBA and NHL by tonight. Yes, I mean, NBA is done. NHL could finish up tonight, Game Five. Vegas does lead that three games to one. So Panthers yeah. uh, need to win three in a row. But of course, as as they always say, you can only win one game tonight. So that's what they're going for. That's true. Well, Denver's had an, had its own little run, man. I mean, as they currently sit here, they have both the NHL and the NBA title, right? Yeah, well, for at least one night. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, <laughs> scoreboard. That's how we didn't, have, and that's how they did it in Champa Bay, man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been. I think it's because my son moved out there. I'm gonna credit him for that. That's got to be it. It's got to be it. He really hasn't gotten into any of the Denver sports though. I think he has a shot with the Broncos if they weren't so god awful. But with Sean Payton out there, maybe they'll be they'll be much improved too. I think he's gonna make a big big difference in Russell Wilson and the gang. We'll see. Well, he can't get much worse than he played last year. Uh no, that's that's for sure. Well, they're going to run the ball. This is the biggest difference you're going to see is that you know when Russell Wilson won in Seattle, they ran the football. You know when he's mm-hmm. going to win in Denver when they run the football. That's and Sean Payton's going to run that thing. I'll promise you that. So we'll be at uh, again. We'll be at the uh, Bucks mini camp. It's a mandatory mini camp, so we so I have to be there. Um, workouts start around nine thirty in the morning. We'll probably get Todd Bowles and and others around eleven thirty. So. Keep it posted uh, on uh, TampaBay.com and, uh, or my Twitter feed, and you'll see what's going on there with Devin White, with everybody else. And if you want to get your mailbag questions in, I'm sure we'll have plenty of people asking about the Bucks as they wrap up their offseason, and, and for that matter, the Rays, All-Stars, whatever you want. Yeah, let's do a mailbag do tomorrow. That. Let's go ahead and get those in. Yeah, good. yeah, why not? Send it to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or you can send it to my email address at R. Stroud, it, well, it's just R. Stroud at TampaBay.com. All right. Thanks for listening. For Steve Rustic, I'm R. Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.